We are in the middle of a series called Love Unpacked and Unleashed here at Church of the Cross. And over the last, uh, for the first three weeks of the series, we consider the reality of the supremacy of love. That love was the way beyond comparison. Something that we want to seek after and to follow with all of our lives. And last week we began to unpack, as we turned to verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the fruits or the nature of love. To begin to dissect love so that we might understand more and more what it actually is as we seek to walk along this way. And last week we began with the more passive mode of our interaction with others, with patience, or what we called long-suffering. And in particular, we saw how love meekly bears the wrongs that are done to us, not striking, in, striking out in revenge or developing an ill will toward others, as is our natural response, but actually meekly bearing the wrongs that have been done to us and doing so over a long duration of time. This is the patience of love, and it's a patience that we see modeled first in God himself, in his son Jesus, who doesn't have a short fuse, but who is slow to anger and therefore is patient with us and with all that he's made. So tonight we move on to the more active mode of our interaction with others. As we read in verse 4, love is kind, or perhaps more properly since the underlying Greek word here is a verb and not an adjective, love shows kindness. Whereas patience deals with our response to what others do to us, kindness, on the other hand, addresses what we do to others. And here we actually get to the root of this concept of agape, or love, this Christian kind of love. By kindness, we actually mean doing good to others. So dealing with them graciously and generously and blessing them in their lives. As we noted in the first week of the series, love is the virtue, that virtue in the heart whereby we are disposed to seek and promote the good and well-being of another. It's a deep-seated virtue, a disposition, a posture that actually bears fruit in actions and in words and in thoughts even toward others and toward God in the world in which we live. So when Paul says in verse 4 that love shows kindness, he's bringing us right to the heart of this concept of agape, of love. Love disposes us to do good to others. Which means that we're getting right to the heart of who God is. I would like to ask the question, what is God if he is not kind? The psalm we read said, the Lord is kind in all his works. At the center of the good news that we proclaim here at Church of the Cross and in the Christian church throughout history is the fact of God being kind to others, to us. By entering the human mess in the person of his son, suffering, bearing wrongs meekly, that was patience as we looked at last week, but doing so not just to suffer for suffering's sake or to be patient for patience' sake, but doing all this in order that our desire might be cured or our desire might be fulfilled, our disease might be cured, and that our meaningless might be healed, our hearts warmed, our futures secured, our wrongs forgiven, our hearts cleansed, our longings coming to fruition. This is the kindness of God on display for us in the person of his son in Jesus that's at the heart of the, the center of the Christian good news that we proclaim. This is the only message, message that we have, and at the heart of it, whatever else you may think about God, the Christian proclamation says once and for all that God is kind. This was an act of doing good to others, to us. So, if love disposes us to do good to others, what are the different ways, first question, what are the different ways that we can do good to others? 
How can we do good? Obviously, you can answer this question in a thousand different or a million different ways. The determination of what is kind to another is contextual, depending on the situation that our neighbor happens to be in at the time. If a person is bereaved, we sit with them and just put our arm around them. We don't say much, and, that, and that's being kind. If a person is lonely, we spend time with them. We listen to them. If a person is discouraged, we encourage and affirm them. If a person is hungry, we feed them. And we could go on and on and on. This is the kindness of love. We see it in the parable of the Good Samaritan, don't we? Cleaning and bandaging the wounds, transporting the injured man to the inn, and then paying for the man's stay and for his ongoing care. This was kindness, doing good to another. We see it also in Paul's collection of money for the poor saints in Jerusalem. He was intentional about this. He went around from church to church throughout the Greco-Roman world and collected coins, which back in those days, he had to actually carry those coins on his journey. It was inconvenient and give them to the saints in Jerusalem. We see it in Ruth's love for Naomi in the book of Ruth, or in Boaz's love for Ruth as well. We see it in words of encouragement to a friend, in making a meal for a family who's just got a, who just had a baby, or as we see often in this community around the end of August, in helping someone move. Who wants to go help somebody move, really? But this is an act of kindness, the kindness of love, or in bringing cookies to a meeting, or in donating a, kitty, a kidney, or bone marrow, or blood, not a kitty, a kidney, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, the, the thread that holds all of these various activities together is that these are actions. These are actions. The kindness of love is expressed in action or word, intent, in an action or word that's intended to do good to another. It's not merely well-wishing. Kindness actually moves. It speaks. It acts. It holds. It serves. It gives. It gets its hands dirty. It gets its wallet out and its calendar committed. This is what we read about in 1 John, where John says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, John says, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. I also want to say that we, we need to say this, that one aspect of kindness through our word and our actions is actually leading others to Jesus, to the living water. I'm aware of the problem of a church that preaches only and never lifts a finger to help the tangible needs of others. Very aware of that. That is not of God. That's not what we pursue at Church of the Cross. But our rightful distaste of this poor manifestation of the church shouldn't diminish our hope for and our desire for others to actually come to know the life that we've come to know in Jesus. If what we profess in the creed is true and it is the center of our life, then it can't be anything but consistent to say that one act, a great act of kindness is to, in a sense, love the soul of another by in our lives and in our actions and in our words bearing witness in such a way that it would lead them to this living water where we have found our own thirst to be quenched. So this, too, is an act of kindness. And this act of kindness actually mirrors God's great act of kindness, which the purpose of his act of kindness in the cross was actually what? It was to bring people. It was to clear the path and bring people into his life. So let's not overlook the reality that this kind of kindness actually mimics the kindness of God in a very peculiar way as we enable others by the power of the Spirit working in and through us to come and to taste and see that the Lord is good. That brings great good in their lives. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that in the church. All right, so to whom then is the kindness of agape to be expressed? We naturally think, don't we? Okay, it's to those who are deserving or grateful or it's those people that I like or particularly care about or it's to my family. 
or my friends. But this is where it starts to get kind of radical. The call of Christian love is to do good to everyone, to everyone, to the ungrateful, those who slap the hand that would feed them, to the undeserving, those who've made poor choice after poor choice after poor choice and have ended up in a hard place as a result, and even to the wicked, to those who wrong others or us, to those who spitefully treat others, to those who step on others to get ahead. As we read in Galatians 6 tonight, Paul exhorts us to do good to all. And as we saw last week and also read again tonight from Luke chapter 6, the very people that we think in our own sort of natural perspective of the world should be excluded from the acts of kindness that we're supposed to give are the very people that Jesus exhorts his followers and says, this is what's going to make you different. This is what's going to separate you from everybody else in the world who practices random acts of kindness. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Chrysostom spoke about this aspect of love, this kind of kindness, as that which breaks the cycle of passion, anger, and resentment in the world. It's not just meekly bearing wrongs, as we saw last week, but it's reaching out to the one who wronged us with the hand and action in good will. And this is the way Paul says it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In 258 AD, Cyprian, the bishop of Carthage, was martyred. And at the moment of his execution, he instructed his friends who had come to see this event happen, give to my executioner 25 gold pieces. This is the kindness of agape. Now, why are we called to such a radical and indiscriminate kindness in our lives? And it's simply because this is the nature of the God that we serve. Listen to how Jesus defends his radical teaching in Luke 6. He says this, he says, for he, that is your father, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Or in the Matthean account of the same kind of sermon, Jesus says, the father makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. God, your heavenly father, is indiscriminately kind to those who live in his created world. And that includes the ungrateful and the evil and the wicked. And if we are to love as he has loved, if we're to bear the family likeness of our father, the one in whose family we've been adopted, that gives us our identity, then we too will be kind indiscriminately to all as well as our father has been. And let me just say that While we should be, obviously, while we're exhorted here to do good to all, even to our enemies or those whom the world says shouldn't actually receive kindness, I want to take a moment and say that we are especially to do good, as Paul says in Galatians 6, to those who are of the household of faith. That's what he says there. That is, the kindness of love must be exhibited, first of all, among the people of God in this room, those of us gathered here. And sadly, quite sadly, often this is not the case. We argue, we divide. That's exactly what's going on in Corinth, the people to whom Paul's writing this letter. And we tear down our opponents. And if we do this, we're a bit like the ambassador who preaches peace, but whose home country is ravaged 
by war. There's a hollowness. There's an emptiness in that preaching. But this shouldn't be. We're to exhibit kindness to do good to one another, even and perhaps especially with those in the church with whom we disagree. People in the church often feel massive disagreements between one another. And sometimes they tie millstones around each other's necks and throw them over the river. That actually happened in Christian history. It's probably the most egregious example of that kind of infighting. But we're to love with kindness those with whom we have disagreement. And we're to do this here at Church of the Cross as well as among all of the churches in this city that proclaim this gospel. Even as we exhibit kindness to our neighbors who are outside the church. And that's got to be a plank in this kind of kindness and love. So let me ask then, in what manner are we to do good to others or to be kind? It's not to be done begrudgingly or sluggishly or reluctantly like a non-morning person rolling out of bed at 6 a.m. But freely and joyfully, both spontaneously like the Good Samaritan on the road, spontaneously saw the need and began to to, um, minister kindness, and in a determined and planned fashion like Paul taking the collection for the church in Jerusalem. Jesus said, didn't he, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this kind of teaching inspires our kindness because all good done to another is a kind of giving. It's a kind of pouring out into the life of another. Even listening is a kind of giving. So believing this, then we give freely and liberally and cheerfully in our lives. For we know that God loves a cheerful giver. And we're not Uh, And we are not to uh, to do good for the purpose of receiving something back either. Just recently, actually just this last week, somebody showed me the hilarious episode of The Office where Dwight and Andy get into a kind of service contest. And, uh, you know, they they start. And so so, uh, Dwight brings in, maybe some of you have seen this episode, Dwight brings in breakfast for all the staff at The Office. And then he kind of turns to the camera and he says, now they all owe me. You know, that's Dwight's kind of motivation for for serving Andy, is to get him in his debt so that something might be repaid. And that's contrary, isn't it, to this kind of Christian kindness, the kindness of the Christian spirit, which does good freely, expecting nothing in return. We're told in Luke 14 to invite those to the banquet who cannot pay us back. So it's quite clear that the kindness of love about which Paul writes in verse 4 is no ordinary or natural thing, isn't it? None of us sits here and says, okay, I was born this way. I just love to be kind to people who cut me off on the road and who slander me and who hurt others. That's the way I just do it. That's just me. No, none of us can say that. Because this kind of love flows out of the heart that has literally been reborn, regenerated, made new by the Spirit of God, which pours out in us the love of God which then causes our heart to begin to flow with love for God and love for others. This is what begins to flow, not out of the heart of nature, but out of the heart of Christ, the power of God at work in us. This Christian spirit of love that is the source of this kind of kindness in the world consists firstly in pursuing the good of another which is exactly kindness, which means that the Christian spirit looks at at, at others, not as rivals, not to see how we stack up against them, not as someone that we should ignore, not as someone to exploit, 
But we look at others as people who are made in the image of God and therefore worthy of dignity in and of themselves because they are persons created by a God who has meaning and who has, has, uh, invests dignity in people made in his image. Who therefore are, are, are recipients of the kindness and of mercy of God and are worthy objects of receiving goodness from us, of doing good to them. So let me just ask, is that, is that how you see the people that you see in your life? When you wake up tomorrow morning and you go to work or you go to a class or whatever it is that you do and you run into the same people week after week, is that how you look at the people around you? Those made in God's image worthy of receiving goodness from us because they've already received goodness and kindness from our Heavenly Father. Is that how you look at your strangers, at strangers, at enemies, those who have hurt you? Or at those who compete with you, perhaps? It's really hard, isn't it? Especially with those who have hurt us, those that we might consider our actual enemies. But, but what enables the vision of, this vision of others and this disposition of love toward others in our own hearts to remain clear, this kind of vision to remain clear and undistorted, is a deep awareness of the grace of God and of the kindness of God. We talk at Church of the Cross about having a culture of gracious intentionality. And this means that first, the first and basic and primary reality in our life together is the grace and kindness of God exhibited to us. This radical kindness where God is kind to rebels. Christ died even while we were still enemies, Paul says. And this kindness of God then infuses us individually and corporately with a sense of party. It's why we eat so much and celebrate so much with a sense of celebration, a sense of joy, a sense of peace, and a deep sense of welcome because look at what God has done to welcome us. And we want that to be at the center of our heart, our corporate heart as a community because God has done a great thing for us and has been kind to us. We'll constantly, won't we, we'll constantly be let down and disappointed and hurt and unfulfilled by others in this life. This is the raw data of human experience. We all know it. We all experience it. That ends up producing ill will, or resentment, or anger, or hardness. All of which are chief defeaters to what? To kindness. But all of these things that I just mentioned, while they're real and while they need to be worked through and while all of us in the church experience them, we're human, they don't define us who are recipients of this great kindness of God. And they don't define our perspective of others. The grace of God, the kindness of God actually does. And that's central. And then the party and the celebration that resides in the Christian heart because of the grace and the kindness of God is sufficient to empower us to reject ill will and a world of in, in a world of injury. And then to pursue the kindness of love each and every day in our lives, indiscriminately with those that we encounter. So let me just say two things in conclusion. First, the exhortation. Let us pursue doing good to all. Radically, regularly, intentionally, spontaneously, freely. In all of our lives. This is something that we are able to choose as followers of Jesus. But we must actually choose it. 
It requires thought. It requires a word we use often around here, intentionality. And often it requires even sacrifice. It doesn't happen by accident or because we've decided not to think about this direction in our lives. There may be perhaps little room for this kind of kindness in the level of busyness with with which most of us live life. And we all experience that in this city. But let me just ask you to consider. Consider what a privilege. What a privilege it is to reflect the light of God who is kind to all in the world. That we may shine as lights in the world, shining that light of the one in whom there is no darkness requires that we be as the one in whom there is no darkness ourselves. We, in turn, become a conduit of his kindness through us to the world around us. And then in expressing that kindness through large groups or institutions like Prison Fellowship or Sisters of Mercy or the International Justice Mission, to name just a few well-known examples, or through individuals like us when we offer a word of encouragement or bake a meal for someone or leave somebody a big tip, We are the light of the world, shining to all the radical news of the indiscriminate kindness of our Heavenly Father. And what greater honor could there be for your life or mine than to reflect this kind of kindness in a world that so desperately needs it? And finally, let me consider that the power then of kindness actually at work in our world. Kindness always gets good press, doesn't it? There's a new granola bar named Kind, right? And it says, like, the caption is like, you know, have a little kindness in your life. And obviously they knew this was a word people had kind of positive associations with the word kindness. There is such a thing as the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation, founded in 1995. And I presume they're behind the bumper stickers that we've all seen, whose sole purpose is to promote acts of kindness because they believe in the power of kindness in the world. But the question then is, what what is that power? And I really believe that we as Christians can say something deeply about this. And this is what I want to leave you with. Think about in your life the times that you have been the recipient of a radical kind of kindness. There's something deep inside of every one of us. That, that really believes and feels deeply that we should be loved, that we should be respected, that we should be treated with dignity, not for, what we, not for what we do, not for our gifts or lack of gifts or our looks or lack of looks or our accomplishments or lack of accomplishments, but for who we are. Something deep inside every human heart knows that this is what we have, the, the, what we should have, what we, what we should experience as human beings. But it's rarely experienced in our world, isn't it? We're assessed for our contributions, we're assessed for our gifts, we're assessed for our brains, especially in this city. But when someone is kind, when someone extends a helping hand, though we didn't deserve it, and perhaps when we least deserved it, the deepest recesses in our hearts are deeply touched It's something we're almost afraid to admit when it happens. I mean, honestly, how many of you have ever been moved to tears by the kindness of someone in your life? Those tears are not just tears of gratitude because of what that person has done to you, but they're tears at the deepest level 
that that ache that we all bear, that longs to and knows that we, are, that we ought to be loved as we are, that thing has been reached by this act of kindness, that we are worthy of love, we're worthy of kindness, we're worthy of goodness being done to us. Acts of kindness put us in touch deeply with our ultimate longing to be loved just as we are, just because we're a person, and not for our performances or our traits. And life flows from this place. And we, as the people of God, we have the privilege as recipients of this kindness of God to us, to be agents of that life, of peeling back the hard shells into which most people's hearts have retreated because of the harshness of the world of injury and evil and sin and disappointment. Kindness has the power behind it, the power to actually heal. The power to remind us that we're worthy of love. And we are worthy of love because of nothing we've done but because of who made us. What we feel in our deepest parts is not a misplaced wish, but it's a hardwired reality in God's creation that every human soul knows because of the way we've been designed. And this, scratching this itch, meeting this deep ache, this is exactly what God offers to us in his kindness. Even While you were enemies, God declared his love for you. God gave goodwill to you. God expressed to you that you were worthy of his love. Full stop. And then as we offer that kindness to others, they're given a glimpse of that love of which our love is merely a derivative that has the power to change their life from the inside out. Love is kind. Love shows kindness. May we, by those who have received this love, then express this kindness radically, indiscriminately, freely, liberally. What a privilege to others.